Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined here with Donnie hey. and the Professor Smoke. Uh, Will couldn't be with us. He's back on assignment. So <laughs> we had, a, we had a, a, a brief moment with him there where he was back, and then he just disappeared again. But uh, onward and upward. And I, I hate that he had to miss this uh, another big cannon fodder, because this is uh, definitely one of the ones that leans on the higher end of the cannon scale. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Missing in Action from 1984, the Chuck Norris classic. But before we get into it deep, I'll go ahead and toss the usual information. You can contact us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at AA Spook Show. We're over on Instagram, the Slasher app, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, you should be able to find us on all of those by going down to our Linktree link down in the show notes. Uh, we also have uh, a T Public page where we sell logoed merchandise, other cool designs. So we encourage you to go check that out. That, that link is also down below. And uh, of course we have our YouTube channel where we're going to have, we just changed, we recently just changed it up back at the first mm-hmm. of the month. Uh, we, we ended the, the live deadline horror news. So if you're just listening to us for the first time since that went down and you noticed that there haven't been any new ones, we ended it, but we're going to be putting out some new cool stuff here pretty soon. I uh, hope to have some announcements here on the show and over on our socials and everything. So you want to follow us, uh, on all those to to get the latest information when we have some new cool stuff going up because kind of reshuffling the deck a little bit we're gonna have some new stuff on patreon new stuff a lot of new stuff on the youtube channel taking stuff from there and switching them around blah 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 so just kind of like we said moving moving the chairs around the pool patio a little bit here <laughs> in the spook show universe so uh um, you want to uh, be a big part of that so uh we encourage you to do that and also we also encourage you to go over to Apple Podcasts, if you listen to us that way, or we're on Spotify, and give us a five-star rating. It helps get some more eyes and ears on the product. If you if you would help us out and do that, we would definitely appreciate it. And, of course, if you're listening to us today, we definitely appreciate you doing so. And we encourage you to go check out all these other cool things. And, of course, patreon.com slash Show. We have Crapster Peace Theater every month. Uh, we do the Library of the Professor video minisodes. Lots of cool stuff over there. So we encourage you to become a patron at that. And you get early access to the episodes. Uh, if you're a patron, you will have got this a day or two early over there. So, And that's at least at the $5 level. So we encourage you to do that. Yeah, I guess without any further buildup, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer. We're missing an action. Vietnam, 1984. Chuck Norris is James Brand, decorated war hero, ex-prisoner of war, an American on a mission, one man who couldn't forget the Americans that were left behind. We categorically deny that there are any living MIAs in Vietnam. Wrong answer. James Braddock has returned. 
uncover the truth and free the soldiers. We're going home. Missing in action. Damn right. James Braddock declares war. The war isn't over until the last man comes home. America had no more heroes. Until now, Chuck Norris, missing in action. All right, so there's the trailer for that. Now, before we get into the into the nitty gritty, you know, some of the some of the usual stuff that we throw out there in the plot summary and a roundtable and all that, we'll toss to our our recurring segment we have with author of, of the Canon Film Guide, Austin Trunick. Uh, we we've we finally got a name for this thing, and we have a little uh, intro that we put together for it. So here we go. Canon Chronicles with Austin Trunick. Hello, Austin Trunick here, author of the Canon Film Guide. I am here today to talk about and give a little bit of backstory on the 1984 Canon film Missing in Action. That backstory uh, is something I would like to call the great uh, Canon switcheroo. It's actually very interesting. Jumping back a little bit, let's talk about Chuck Norris, movie star, uh, karate champion, and creator of action jeans blue jeans with the stretchable crotch that make your high kicks go higher without splitting your pants now chuck had been doing many films at this point in his career he was acting quite quite frequently in addition to all of his sort of uh elder statesmen of karate uh of stuff he was doing at this time uh you had films like the octagon an eye for an eye silent rage forced vengeance lots of B movies, really cheap action films. And Chuck was looking to find a project that would sort of take him to the next level from being this sort of B list martial arts star to a bigger, bigger action star. Fill some, fill some audiences, not just, uh, not just grand house seats. Chuck Norris was already in his 40s by this point and was also beginning to become concerned that he might age out of the martial arts genre, that he was afraid that he'd be pigeonholed into just doing fighting movies and that his career would be over soon. So he was looking for something that would really kind of move him more into the broader action star genre, uh, getting to shoot guns, getting to shoot rocket launchers, hang off of moving cars, not just punch and kick guys in the ring because yeah, that that's something if <laughs> once you get to a certain age, you, you worry about how many high kicks you have to do every day. So he had read a book by J.C. Pollock called Mission MIA, uh, which had been very popular at the time and clearly been read by many different screenwriters um, to give them this idea that there were still these POWs in Vietnam that needed to be saved by one elite badass or one elite team of badasses. There were a lot of films from the mission, missing in action movies to Rambo that all had this same theme. And he, again, as well, he also wanted to make something to pay tribute to his brother. He had a brother who had been killed in Vietnam. So the, the plight of Vietnam veterans and the idea of Vietnam was something that was always kind of in, in, in Chuck's head. He consulted his friend and uh frequent writing collaborator, James Bruner, 
and kind of threw some ideas at him about man going back to save his uh, his captured comrades over in Vietnam. And James, they spitballed some ideas, and the two of them basically wrote the script that became Missing in Action. So Chuck shopped this around for a long time and didn't have... It took him a little while. He didn't have immediate luck, but finally he got a meeting with Canon, a company that was still up and coming at this time, and he was very excited about it. Um, he took the script in, and he told James Bruner that I am going to go meet with this guy, Menachem Galan, at Canon Films about about making missing an action. So the meeting happened. James Bruner was waiting by the phone, you know, very nervously biting his nails. He finally gets the call and Chuck says, I have good news and I have bad news. And says, go lay it to me. Like, what? what is this? And Chuck tells James Bruner the phone. He's like, well, they want to make missing an action, but not, not, not our missing an action. They actually had, Canon had another script that was sent in by a producer, a director named Lance Hull, called Missing in Action, and Canon had actually confused the two. They thought when Chuck wanted to make Missing in Action, they thought they were talking about the same script they already had, so it was just this big confusion over the title. So Chuck has was forced to decide in the office with Menachem that whether or not he was going to do it, and he signed on. He, he wanted to make the Missing in Action. So it was disappointing to, of course, to James Bruner, who had written the script, but they, Canon bought it anyway. That was part of the deal. Chuck had Canon buy their script as well. So Chuck goes out and he, he makes this other Missing in Action movie, a movie that ultimately became Missing in Action 2 at the beginning, but more on that in a moment. As they're making it, they're clearly getting along. Chuck has very much the same sort of mentality and stamina that Canon likes from their stars, and they're having a great time making this movie. So they decide, we're going to go ahead and shoot a sequel back-to-back, because this this is just working for us. This is great. We'll have we'll have two ready. So they, they flew James Bruner down, and they actually had him rewrite his missing in action script that he had originally written, to just change some names and things so that it could connect to the uh the the other missing in action script the the, the renamed the character James Braddock being being the main thing so he already had the script canon already bought it and he just went down and rewrote it pretty much and they started shooting that second film and canon showed missing in action what is essentially missing in action to the beginning the original missing in action film the first one they shot to Warner Brothers who had the first option at the time uh, the f- sort of a first look deal with Canon to distribute things. Warner Brothers saw saw Missing in Action, that version of Missing in Action, Missing in Action Two, and politely said, "No, no, thank you. This is this is not what we want. We're we'll we'll pass." So Canon Canon's deal with Missing in Action uh, with with uh, Warner Brothers there was kind of kaput. So they realized they had to release this themselves. When they went and saw the footage for the second missing action that they were shooting, they realized that this is a a better movie, a more exciting movie, definitely a better movie to launch an action star. You've got more of your big action scenes. It's almost nonstop action through a lot of it. You've got some great one-liners. Uh, it's it's just a lot more fun. Uh, missing in action two, he largely spends it being spends most of the time being tortured in a POW camp, which uh, is something that can happen in an action movie, but is not going to be the most exciting action movie. 
And so Canon went ahead and released uh, what was going to be the second Missing in Action movie as the first Missing in Action movie. And that was a big hit for them. It was actually their biggest hit Canon had under Golden Globus, uh, second only to Breakin, of all things, both 1984 releases. Of course, Warner Brothers uh, had, had, with good reason, were a little annoyed when they saw this movie and said, "Hey, this isn't the uh, this isn't the mass, the missing in action that you showed us that we said no to." But I guess there wasn't really anything they could do. Uh, so yeah, the movie did did fantastically, and a few months later, Canon went ahead and had a sequel ready to send into theaters. Um, they re-released the first film as Missing in Action to the Beginning, which is one of the most a wonderfully confusing, uh, convoluted titles that you'll that you'll have. But if you're watching the Missing in Action movies and wondering why the sequel is a prequel, it's because the prequel sequel was shot first and meant to be the first movie and they switched them around and yeah so that's the great canon switcheroo it led to a very very long vibrant series of collaborations between golden globus's canon and chuck norris who made many films for them over the next decade and it really launched the second phase of chuck norris's career he went from being this sort of pure martial arts actor to your seeing him in all these cop and military roles this led to things like invasion usa and delta force and it would really sustain him until he kind of hit the the third third act of his career with with the walker texas ranger series kind of becoming this family action tv icon in the 1990s so yeah i hope you guys enjoy missing action i think it is a very fun one it's my second favorites of Chuck's canon movies after uh, Invasion USA. So enjoy, and I will see you next time, next month on the All American Spook Show podcast. Yeah, the only thing he didn't uh, do there is give us his rating. So yeah, yeah, I was uh, was kind of anticipating that. Yeah, I have to get in touch with him and see what uh, how many cannonballs he gives it. But just based on what he said there, it sounds like he's going to give it pretty high. Yeah. So. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he comes back with five cannonballs just based on, yeah. based on what, you know, what he gave over the top in Invasion USA back when we did those. Yeah. Um, but this is the fourth version of uh, cannon fodder because we've done over the top Invasion USA, hot chili, <laughs> and now this. Um, we also kind of, you know, and we'll get into that on the fourth anniversary show on Halloween. We kind of count New Year's Evil and... Yeah. 10 to, 10 midnight. to midnight we yep. did those before we started doing cannon fodder and those are obviously two pretty big or at least one of them is you know a pretty big cannon release so yeah. uh we'll probably end up kind of throwing those in the cannon fodder pot you know uh is kind of unofficially naming those as cannon fodder flicks but yeah so this will this will kind of be really the sixth movie that we've done uh since we kind of started going through the cannon catalog and uh, i think it's going to be interesting to see what all we have to say about this one but yeah that mm. Everything Austin said, man, that was really interesting, and it's very typical of canon. And you know, like there has to be, there has to be some silly story uh, involved with it, doesn't there? Yeah, some clusterfuck somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a miracle they got as many. Like you know, they 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 did a lot of bad ones, but they did a lot of good movies too. And it really mm-hmm. is the more you hear about their history, um, and then we learn about it through you know doing these movies. It's a miracle they got anything good ever out you know the way things just would go there man it was crazy but that's the 80s for you now that we've got the canon chronicles out of the way i guess we can go ahead and go through a little bit of the the background information 
Um, this movie, of course, is rated R. Total runtime of one hour and 41 minutes. It was released here in the U.S. on November 16th, 1984. I didn't really find too, too many other, like, uh, you know, crazy, funny titles. Uh, usually we find some other alternate titles that are like, you know, like, for instance, last week when we did um, The Evil Dead, there was like three or four different titles, working title and all that. Uh, most of these all just translate to, um, you know, in other languages or whatever. The only other title I could find was Braddock missing in action. Mm-hmm. I think that was yeah. in Germany. That was about the only real, you know, different version of it, but it's pretty much the same. Uh, and just kind of like, it probably goes hand in hand with what he was just talking about with missing in action too, you know, and there was a third one, I believe too, right? Smoke. Yeah. I was actually called Braddock missing in action three. So <laughs> yeah, there you so go. Kind of like, uh, that other title, well, the, you know, Braddock missing in action is a, well, what country was that from? That translated oh. from Germany. Yeah, that talk, yeah, Braddock missing in action was uh, Germany. Yeah, that was what it was called. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, and that, that third one, I don't remember. I mean, I haven't seen that one. I've only seen that one probably once or twice. So that's one that when we get around to it, almost be like new movie to me again. I don't even remember the plot of the third one. Yeah, it's been a long time since I saw that one. Good lord, that's probably like early to mid '90s local TV. Last yeah. time I saw that one, it's been a long time. But yeah, like we said, there was a sequel, which was a prequel called Missing in Action Two: The Beginning, and then that third one was Braddock. Missing in Action 3, and that was in 1988 when that one came out. So it, it's been a while since I saw those. But yeah, uh, back to Missing in Action. It was done for a budget of about a million. Um, there's deferring there's deferring reports on the on the budget there. It's either 1.5 million or 3 million. So it's probably somewhere, the truth lies in the middle, like we say. Probably somewhere in the middle there. But the box office was really good. I mean, it made $22.8 million. Uh, when it was all said and done, yeah, so dang. like Austin said, I mean that's pretty good, you know, especially for early canon. You know, that, yeah, that right there is how that's how canon sustained themselves. Like, yeah, they could, they might have some turkeys coming out, but they would have something like that where it cost them whatever two million, let's say, yeah, and made twenty two. You know? <laughs> yeah. And they, they did that with Breaking, and they did that with Invasion USA. They did that with enough movies to where it sustained them for a while, anyways, until the bottom fell out in the nine late nine or mid nineties or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they were able to take that movie or that money and make another one and so on. You know, like they'd make a bunch of cheap movies. And then, like you said, they'd make them so cheap that when they did make money, they made a lot of money. That basically them making what what was it? Twenty two. What did I say? Twenty two. Yeah. Twenty two point eight million. That means they probably got to make about 20 movies off of that. You know, (laughs) (laughs) they operate. (laughs) And they put out something like Hot Chili and then they put out Hot Resort. God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, th- this one uh, was directed by Joseph Zito, who would also be known for Friday the 13th, the final chapter in 1984, uh, The Prowler, uh, Delta Force, Delta Force One, The Lost Patrol. I mean, he's got, uh, let's see, how many directing credits has he got on uh, IMDb? Well, just 10, but you know, a lot of them were very memorable, including one we've already done, Invasion USA. Yep. I'm just looking through, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he didn't do a lot, but I really like, Red Scorpion. He made Red Scorpion in 1988, and then he only directed two more movies after that. He's, I mean, he's still alive, but I, I guess he just, you know, really just, uh, uh, he's done some producing over the last few years of some TV series and stuff like that, and that's about mm-hmm. it. Like, he doesn't really direct or uh, write or anything anymore. So my favorite Friday the 13th film, though, Part Four is my favorite of the series. And then uh, yep. have y'all have any, both of y'all seen Prowler before that slasher movie? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's another I'd good. Probably not. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, ring a bell. I think we've talked about that before. Have you? Haven't seen that one yeah, for some minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Savini did the effects for it, so yeah, at some point we'll get around to that one. That's I, I kind of like that one too. I kind of put it up there, you know, 
it's up there. I mean, it's not, it's not up there with the burning necessarily, but it's up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this was written by, let's see, characters by Arthur Silver, Larry Levinson, and Stephen Bing. Uh, screenplay by Dr- James Bruner. And then it's a story by John Crowther and Lance Houle. Uh, it stars Chuck Norris as Colonel James Braddock. I mean, what more can you say about Chuck Norris? Just, uh, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, right? <laughs> yep. We went over his, you know, a little bit there in Invasion USA. And I mean, and I'm sure this this was just the second of about 100 Chuck Norris movies that we'll probably do over the <laughs> over the, the lifetime of uh, the Spook Show. So um, M, it also stars M. Emmett Walsh as Jack Tucker. You know, this is the guy in the movie that he hires to kind of uh, help him, you know, get into Vietnam or whatever. Yeah, he needs his boat. Yeah, yeah. He has appeared before, uh, which, Donnie, I guess I'll leave that for you for the canon connections a little bit later on if you got if you got that one mm-hmm. he has appeared on the spook show before but he's also known for the jerk that classic steve martin comedy which we got to get that on cult corner one of these days i love that movie that's one of my favorite comedies he was also in blade runner another cult classic uh mm-hmm. blood simple i mean he's got 231 acting credits on imdb so yeah. and i was trying to as i was watching this movie i was trying to think of one in particular movie out of those 231 that i that i remember him most from and i and I couldn't place it. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if there's one that you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that was the dude from that, and you're always going to remember him for that. He's just a very memorable face and a lot of stuff. You know, you've seen him in a ton of stuff. Smaller smaller roles in the movie, you've got uh, David Tress as Sen- uh, Senator Maxwell Porter, Lenore Kasdorf as Ann Fitzgerald, and, of course, uh, it's not a, a, an 80s movie without James Hong. Uh, he's got the <laughs> General Tran. Uh, of, of course, uh, he would be known for probably one of the biggest ones he'd be known for would be Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, uh, classic. Uh, he was one of the voices uh, in the Kung Fu Panda series of movies. He was an R.I.P.D. I mean, he's got 454 acting credits <clears throat> on IMDb. That's got to be getting close to some kind of uh, record when we talk about these credits. Right, Don? I mean, he's, that's a yeah. shit. It's not as it's not as many of that random. Uh, uh, what was the French, French horn, horn player? <laughs> the French horn guy. <laughs> no, actually, yeah. Well, I think he was in uh, twelve. Uh, it was like twelve hundred or fourteen hundred. Yeah, but James Hong, like four hundred and fifty-four. Is that what it is? Yeah, four hundred and fifty-four acting oh, credits. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know how many we people we've talked about on here that have four hundred and fifty-four acting credits. We have not. There's another lady um, uh, that's. Uh, uh, it's actually she plays um, Madame Pearl, the uh, the brothel. Uh, yeah, she's got three hundred and three hundred and fifty or three hundred and thirty or something like that. Wow! But yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still uh, James Hong. He's still active today. Um, oh yeah, recently I just saw him in. A, I mean, he was in the theatrical release, A twenty four, put out called uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Yep. I've heard good things about that. Was that pretty good? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was it was definitely different. <laughs> it's an it's, yeah. it's, it's it, it sort of takes the con. I mean, not to get on too much of a tangent, but you know the concept that Marvel has with the uh, multiverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a different and to me even more interesting take on the multiverse than the, than what Marvel's done with it. So, huh. Yeah, it's definitely really uh, though. I think that's about all that you know as far as the the background information that you know I have to pull out. I mean, I, well, there is one more. There's an uncredited role by Jean Claude Van Damme in this movie as a soldier, and I, I actually did notice his name when I was uh, looking at the credits. Uh, I think he was one of the stunt guys on this. Yeah, game. he was. Yeah, yeah. he was. Mm-hmm. That was not his first. Uh, <laughs> well, he's moving up in the world as far as action stuff. If he's going from his prior <laughs> role, 
breaking the year before in 1983, he played a dancer on the beach breaking, and not yeah. necessarily a break dancer breaking. He was just sitting there doing you know whatever in the background. And so at least he he made the step up to a, a soldier now. So yeah, get a little bit closer to the action genre. There was only one other role that I saw before either one of those. He was in, uh, he had an uncredited role in Woman in a Twilight Garden in 1979 as moviegoer slash man in garden. <laughs> we got, then there's, there's a small, small role in Breaking and then Missing in Action. So that's crazy. This is a uh, very, very early Missing in Action. And this is obviously before his, his uh, breakout role in Bloodsport in 1988. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting, uh, little tidbit that I noticed there. Cause obviously, I mean, I, I didn't even, did, I, did either of you catch him in it? Cause I didn't, I just knew it because I, I saw it in the credits, but yeah, I, I, I didn't even know he was in this one. I called him in, I called him in breaking because I could see it. He's very yeah. clearly right. <laughs> you can see him in, and it's yeah. funny just, you know, cause he's kind of centered in the camera or whatever, but yeah, this one, I didn't even know until you just said that, that he was even in it. Yeah. So it, I'm sure somebody out there could point it out to us, you know, they, they got the freeze frame, you know, with the arrow, there he is, you know, but like, I, I don't remember seeing him. So yeah, it's an interesting, uh, little tidbit, but do you guys have anything else before we, uh, move into it? I got one, one thing to, well, you know, it, I might as well mention it now, or I might forget later. And it's a, it's yet another tie in with somewhat with a uh, breaking three is, uh, when, uh, Chuck's walking through the streets in Vietnam with the clubs. And then before he gets to the strip club, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, that hip hop song, hip hop just playing or whatever. It's like an old eighties type hip hop song. Well, it wouldn't have been old at the time, but it's an eighties hip hop song. And it's, uh, it's very familiar sounding. And that's because, uh, <laughs> if you'd seen breaking the, the year before, like I said, it, it was, uh, ice T's backing music for, uh, the song reckless. He's in the club doing, he's, you know, he's doing the, the, uh, the rap for the song reckless, but this is the instrumental, but I don't think there's any rapping in any of these hip hop songs that he's, it's just incidental music in the background. But it was uh, that uh, and the Tibetan Jam, which was another Chris the Glove Taylor and Ice-T song. Hmm. But I know it's Ice-T. None of Ice-T's vocals. It's just the instrumental track. So, And he's walking through the streets near the clubs. But then he gets to the club, and it's uh, it's a strip club. And then that's the one where <laughs> that Vietnamese lady is uh, oh, taking yeah. the position of <laughs> Rod Stewart. Yeah. Which I thought that, you know, they could have had the uh, hip-hop music playing in the strip club. And then that other Rod Stewart thing somewhere outside, you know, on the side of the street somewhere. <laughs> that would have made more sense to a strip club, at least, than the, than the terrible rendition of uh, Do You Think I'm Sexy? <laughs> yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. We promise to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So uh, instead of tapping in Missing in Action, because I, I, I was thinking that, that might be a little <laughs> depressing, uh, <laughs> I went and just typed in Chuck Norris to see what will pop up. And of course, we have Against All Odds, My Story by Chuck Norris. That one's seven and a half hours long. But there's also the official Chuck Norris fact book, 101 of Chuck's Favorite Facts and Stories by Chuck Norris. Uh, that one's a little over four and a half hours long. And then there's, uh, let's see, the Justice Riders, book one by Chuck Norris, Ken Abraham, Aaron Norris, and Tim Graham. Uh, that one is uh, about seven and a half hours long, and that's Justice Riders, book one. So I'm going to assume that it kind of has that, uh, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger looking vibe <laughs> to it. So I'm going to imagine that's kind of what they're going for there. 
but yeah, so anyways, clearly, you know, you go in and type Chuck Norris and Audible, you're going to find a lot of shit. There's a bunch more on here. So if any of that floats your boat, and, and it should because it's Chuck Norris, <laughs> uh, you can go download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. So uh, what we've done lately is I'll, I'll, you know, we'll head over to uh, IMDb and we'll just check out their plot summaries. And that'll, that usually does the job as far as like wrapping summing the movie up as, you know, as simple as possible in, uh, you know, a paragraph or less. We've got a few here over on IMDb. I'll go with the simple one first. Colonel Braddock launches a mission deep into the jungles of Vietnam to find the POW camp that he escaped from and free the Americans still held captive there. That's the main synopsis. But then we have another one submitted by Anthony Perea. Colonel James Braddock is an American officer who spent seven years in a North Vietnamese POW camp, then escaped 10 years ago after the bloodiest war. Braddock accompanies a government investigation team that goes to Ho Chi Minh City to check out reports of American still-held prisoner. Braddock gets the evidence, then travels to Thailand, where he meets Tuck, an old army buddy turned black market kingpin. Together, they launch a mission deep into the jungle to free the American POWs from General Trowell. Uh, let's see, we've got two more. This one is submitted by Scott Lane. Colonel Braddock, who escaped from a POW camp after 10 years, Returns to Vietnam, he attempts to track down the location of a POW camp and rescue the prisoners to prove that several MIAs are still alive and being held captive. He is prompted to attempt his mission because of government denials about the possibilities of existing POWs. And then the last one was uh, submitted by RCS0411 at Yahoo.com. Braddock, a man who was a POW in Vietnam, who just recently came back, is asked by an American delegation to go to Vietnam to see if there are any POWs there. When he arrives, the general in charge makes some disparaging remarks to Braddock, and they accuse him of crimes against him. Braddock later goes to the general and demands to know where the POWs are, and after telling Braddock, he tries to kill him, but Braddock kills him. What? Later, he is asked to leave. He then goes to Thailand to see a friend and to try and get those men out, but he is being pursued by a man who tortured him when he was a prisoner. So there you go. I guess that pretty much really, honestly, that one sentence probably sums it up as best as you can. You know, <laughs> he's a former POW who got out and then decides to go back in and get the other guys out, even though the uh, Vietnamese government is denying it. Yeah. That's, that's the movie. Where do you want to start this roundtable discussion? Uh, Smoke, I'll start with you. Where do you want to what do you want to start with? You want to start at the beginning, the whole premise of it? Yeah, well, we could. Yeah, we could talk a little bit about that, about uh, this movie came out before Invasion USA. And it kind of, and of course, it paved the way, I guess, for well, it paved the way for Chuck throughout his career with Canon. It definitely paved the way towards Invasion USA too. And that I kind of agree with Austin uh, in that that is my favorite Chuck movie from Canon is Invasion USA, and uh, followed by probably this one too as well. Like he was saying, this, that's probably my that's my top two for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all slightly downhill from there probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like you were saying, like, well, like, Missing in Action 2, or the beginning, you know, which was technically the first one, but like, like Austin was explaining, I can see why, and it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but I mean, I've seen it enough times, too, I can see why they would have went with releasing this one first, <laughs> just to, yeah, yeah. you know, if you, had, if you had tried to launch Chuck's career with Canon and with being in a bigger spotlight, so to speak, with Missing in Action 2, that probably would have, you know, I don't know that, it, I don't know what the budget was on Missing in Action 2, but I'm sure it was okay considering this movie came out first. But if that one had come out first, this one probably would have tanked as well because they would have been like, I'm not going to see that shit after seeing the first one. You like, know? like he said, like Austin said, it's not as exciting, you know, yeah, yeah, 
I mean, it's not terrible. No, no, and there are parts. It, although it has been a long time since I saw that one too, and I'm almost positive now that I watched this one again for the first time in a while. Uh, I remember being really young and my parents, my dad or something, taking me to see one of these movies. And I, was, I wasn't sure, you know, and this is random too, because we went to the theater and saw it. And I was like, I didn't know whether it was this one. I, I mean, I, w- I would have only been four years old or the next one. What, what, that was only the next year. So I was like five. So it's, a, you know, it's a very fuzzy memory. But I remember walking into a theater and seeing like Chuck Norris in Vietnam blowing shit up, you know? So I was like, this obviously isn't something he probably should have took a four or five year old kid to, but we are. And that's what I remember. So I was like, was it this one or that one? I couldn't remember. And now that I've seen this, yeah, it was definitely the second one. He took me to see. <laughs> and of course, my brother, he's a few years older than me. So he took, they would have took us both to see uh, <laughs> Missing in Action 2 in the theater in uh, what, 1985, 86? That's awesome. Yeah. Not too much older, I guess. I was 10 or 11, depending on when it came out in 84. I, I was either 10 or 11 in 84 when the first one came out, and then 12 or 13 when the when the second one came out, but, and I remember seeing them. So it had to have been my dad or somebody took, you know, cause they were, I mean, they were too strict at the time. They aren't going to let just anybody in there without a parent than already moved. Yeah. So. yeah. I don't, I, I guess I assume that yeah, it was my dad. I, I, I haven't talked to him about it, but I guarantee it's one of those scenarios where like they wanted to go to the movies and they didn't have any, anybody to watch the kids. So <laughs> we're just, you know, it's the, the kids. It's the eighties. You're along for the ride, you know? <laughs> I, do, I do remember the, the second movie, you know, because the second movie is him in, in Vietnam, you know, back, it goes back to the, the beginning, you know, yeah. and in the POW camp getting tortured. Now, I remember something about, it's been a while again for me, too, since I've seen that second one. I, not as long as since I've seen the third one, but, you know, there was a, an animal of some sort that somebody had, not him, but one of the other POW people had taken a liking to some kind of jungle animal. I don't know if it's a rat, maybe. It might have been a rat. And I remember the the, the 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 Vietnamese people killed his pet rat. I guess I think it was a rat. <laughs> and I remember that like that was like that like tugged at my uh, twelve year or eleven or twelve year old. <laughs> oh no, the rat! <laughs> no, they killed his pet. Yeah. Oh, motherfuckers, get him! <laughs> but the beginning of this movie, whenever there's a the, basically the first what I counted about the first nine minutes of this movie are dream. Yeah, is essentially what it boils down to. Because it goes. It keeps going. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he wakes up and he turns on Spider-Man, but it, the, the whole that whole part it just keeps going. And then like you know, I love that one part during all that though, where like another guy attacks him, and then another soldier shoots the guy, and then Chuck Norris or Braddock, I should say, looks over and gives him the thumbs up, <laughs> and then the other guy's like, "Yeah, thumbs up," and then he instantly <laughs> dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right and that's exactly the sound that they they all make probably, probably. whether they whether they get knocked out or whether he dies <laughs> it is it's always the same fucking sound. i did like that though when he wakes up from his dream and he's just looking wistfully out the hotel window or whatever and the news is on and he turns the news and it's spider-man and his amazing friends <laughs> Now there was a uh, a little story to that. Canon had just recently got the uh, you know I, I believe it was the rights. I didn't look that up, but I was thinking as I was watching, I was I bet you that's got something to do with the fact that Canon yep. was going to make a Spider Man movie. And they, yeah, they were going to. They they were able to show it uh, royalty free because uh, you know it, yeah yeah wow. Can and you when, can you imagine uh, Canon, if Canon had made a Spider Man movie? I know Austin's <laughs> probably got all kinds of stories. 
But I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Well, you, you know how uh, Superman Four turned out. Let's try to let's try to make a note of that. Yeah. Oh God. Let's try to make a note of that for uh, whenever we we're, we're going to talk to Austin. That's kind of a tease. Yeah. We're going to be having him on pretty soon for another interview segment so he can talk about volume two of his uh, yeah. Canon film guide. But we need to ask him <laughs> about, about <laughs> the Canon the Canon Spider Man movie that never was. I need I need to know more because you know there's some good funny stories. Oh gosh. You know there is. I know, that, I know that they had a whole bunch of promotional material for it, made up for it, like I've they did for anything. They, they always made a bunch of stuff before the movie ever yeah. came out to try and sell the movie, you know, like cons and all that stuff. I, uh, I've actually pulled, if, if either of you recall, the very first cannon fodder we did over the top, I actually pulled an audio clip for the beginning of that episode that was from uh, a cannon pitch reel from 19, I guess, 85 or 86. I think maybe it was from 1986 for movies that were coming. So, mm-hmm. dude, yeah. you need to. See, I, I'm going to put a link to our socials just for this video, so everyone can see it. It's crazy. It's like John Travolta movie coming soon. You know, it was, <laughs> that was it. It was like they showed Travolta's yeah. face to to staying alive music, and then it was like yeah. you you know you know who John Travolta is. Well, guess what? He's fucking coming to Canon. You know, like and that's all it was. <laughs> no name of a movie, or if it was, it was just a name, no plot. Even over the top on that, it was just like. Sylvester Stallone riding in a truck. Come watch it. You know, <laughs> that's all it was. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. I'm going to put a, a, a link to that over on the social so everybody can check that out. But but the, I, it reminded me of it because the Spider-Man thing was in there. Like Canon Films, is, you know, bringing you uh, the most popular comic book character of all time, Spider-Man. Yeah. Like you said, Superman 4, we know how that turned out. So I, yep. I got to imagine Spider-Man would have been. <laughs> well, my. It, it, Probably would have looked somewhat like, yeah. Have you ever seen that uh, Nicholas Hammond Spider Man that was? Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, I, mean, I used to watch those when I was a kid. Yeah. I, I still have a nostalgia for those. I mean, you know, yeah. they're terrible. Yeah. I mean, you know. God awful. Let's let's face it. They're yeah. god awful. But that, back to missing an action, <laughs> which that has nothing to do with. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> I love the when, when Braddock is sneaking around and he eventually, you know, ends up killing uh, General Tran. But uh, two two things there. Number one, when he's sneaking around and he jumps over that wall and he jumps on top of that dude, which clearly the sound goes, oh, and the guy and the guy is out. He's knocked out. But then he still punches him anyway because <laughs> he lands on the guy and you can see him like, oh, he's out. And then he just bam, you know, and then looks around and runs off. <laughs> but that, that brought me to the point that my first question there was, how the hell did he know where General, General Tran's room was? Because. All he does is basically get to the point like, all right, I'm going to go look around and see what, see how Saigon has changed. Cause you know, yeah. now Jimin city or whatever, and he hasn't been there in a while. And then he kind of sneaks out of the hotel, looks around for a little bit. And then somehow magically knows exactly where general Tran is sleeping, <laughs> sneaks into his room, uh, you know, holds a knife to his throat. It's the information out of him, and then of course Tran pulls the gun on him. Which Chuck Norris, you're dead if you do that. You don't pull a <laughs> gun on Chuck Norris. He just knifes him right in the chest, like. Yeah, because as as he was making his way through the guards, I think I don't think he killed anybody else except for Tran, right? Pretty sure that was it. <laughs> he just knocked him. He would he knock knocked, him out. Yeah, I think he knocked. Well, I mean, he, it's always fuzzy in these types of eighties yeah, action. It's whether <laughs> a guy dies or they get knocked out because they yeah. look dead, but you know you could see it either way, right? But audibly, it's always. Well, it's that. Yeah, it sounds the same. Like, <laughs> if you're looking for audio cues in an '80s action movie, you're fucked. Yeah. You know, they're all gonna be. Jesus. 
It's almost, it's almost like the falling. I mean, they kind of do it in the 80s films, but it's more in the 70s. Anytime somebody falls on the ground and you get that yeah. sound or whatever. <laughs> and I love the over uh, amplified punches, too. I mean, it just not, it looks like it sounds like you're knocking somebody's fucking head off in these fights. Just, you know, just, yeah. But that, that goes to something we've uh, alluded to a couple of times Madam Pearl's whorehouse. <laughs> oh, you need to go, you need to go down to Madam Pearl's whorehouse. Like it's out front. Like everybody knows what the fuck this is. So we're just calling it a whorehouse. And then when he enters in there, because he goes to find Jack, right? His, his old yeah. arm. Uh, this is when he goes into Thailand. And then there's a girl standing up on the stage, <laughs> stage singing, If You Want My Body by Rod Stewart. <laughs> that was hilarious. No, I, I, I don't know how it goes. How, how's it go, Josh? Go, uh, if You Want My Body. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about as simple as that, too. It's If You Want My Body and You Think I'm Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly oh, 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 you forgot though the, some one of the other best parts is the Casio keyboard that's, that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, <laughs> like, ding, it's a yeah it's a shit keyboard <laughs> they're using yep yeah that was instantly like oh my oh my god that was that was one of the better things and the disco yep. sign out, outside that yeah <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything but it catches your eyes you know you're just staring at it I'm I'm sitting there watching the movie and I'm just staring at that disco sign. It didn't matter <laughs> anything else. I'm just I'm just fixated on the disco sign. Yeah, I mean, it's an eyeball grabber. Speaking of just random stuff like this in '80s movies, is there anything more '80s than the dude with the butterfly knife? <laughs> There's always a fucking guy with the butterfly knife, and he's always doing the same trick. Like, you know, what what else can you do with a fucking butterfly knife? Brother? I mean. <laughs> You know, tick, 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 tick. Oh, man, he's a badass. He's got a butterfly knife. Yeah. I mean, if you, actually, if you think about it, didn't the... Uh, now, I don't know this. I'm, maybe I'm just recalling from... Uh, Distant memories? Yeah. Didn't one of the guys in uh, Over the Top have a butterfly knife? Probably. I'm telling you. It's, like, <laughs> it's every other 80s movie. There was a guy with uh, either nunchucks or butterfly <laughs> knife or... Uh, you know, uh, shuriken, you know, throwing stars or all of it. Yeah. <laughs> or all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Or just all of it. Especially in the ninja movies, you know. Oh, especially. Yeah. Definitely in the ninja movies because it was, you know, if, and it didn't matter what kind of ninja movie, one of the American ninja movies or the Japanese ninja movies. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Ninja, whatever, you know, because the ninja craze that we've talked about. Yeah. Like all of those weapons and then some, you know, size, kitanas. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah no. that was that was pretty good. And it, and it's like uh, we're going to send him after Braddock. And then there's the guy with the butterfly knife and then the guy that looks at the gun and, you know, <laughs> it's the same old shit in every 80s movie. <laughs> when he when uh, Braddock is in Bangkok and all of a sudden he just looks <laughs> he's in his hotel looking out the window. And then there's a guy in the other window over there pointing. A, is that a missile launcher, grenade launcher? What the hell? Yeah, I, I, yeah I think it was a grenade launcher. Grenade launcher. He just looks across like just in time to like this guy shoots him and then he doesn't even get a scratch. Like he gets <laughs> rolled up by a grenade launcher and then still just able to like walk out of there like nothing happened. <laughs> well, it, it is Chuck. You know, mean, meanwhile, there's some Vietnamese uh, uh, civilians on the street who just had a little bit of rubble on them. They like bloody face on the ground. Yeah. And all that. No, yeah. Like, yeah. Walking out like, oh, something. Well, at least there is some realism there. He comes, yeah, like somebody yeah. shoots a grenade launcher into a, you know, a public place. Yeah, people are going to get hurt. <laughs> Except for Chuck Norris. Except Chuck, yeah. So then, like, eventually, he, you know, he gets Jack and he gets on the boat and they're he, to go into Vietnam. And that 
that guy that he's got a vengeance for that it like, you know, fucked with him when he was a POW Vin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he gets on the boat and attacks, attacks him with an, uh, with an, uh, an ax. And <laughs> as soon as he chops him with the ax, it gets stuck in the wall. Chuck Norris, one strike breaks the fucking ax analog, like whack. And then they're <laughs> fighting over the, the ax head. Yeah. And then he manages just to turn it around and then just punches it right <laughs> into Ben's chest. chest. <laughs> he <starts> yeah. <laughs> Slow death. I only, I think these are things that only Chuck Norris could pull off. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then when they finally get into Vietnam back and they're on the boat, you know, Jack is driving the boat for him or whatever. And they have a little firefight with these guys. And then that attracts the boat to turn around and come back toward him. <laughs> and he just throws a grenade over <laughs> boom. And then they just cut, cut to the next scene. Like there's no, there's no, like, let's see. Like, cause he throws a grenade. Some guys fly out of it. And then there's no like follow through. Like, Oh shit, that was messed up. It was just bam, cut next scene. <laughs> like they, they just keep on cruising down the river. <laughs> I just thought that was a weird quick cut on that one. But what, what was the other? Well, it's a little bit later. There's a quick cut, or oh, I don't know. It's when he jumps with the grenades, like he's got the grenades, and the guy's down on the ground. He's jumping out of the hut. Yeah, that, the that one ended up. Being, now that was like toward at the beginning when it ended up being like a dream sequence again or something, right? Oh, Where, that was the beginning sequence. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't that understand that. He witnesses some guy, one of the POWs or another soldier or something, getting killed or something, right? And instead yeah. of just yeah. taking stab with the bayonet or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just stabbing the guy on the ground. So instead of taking the grenades off and throwing them down there, <laughs> he grabs the grenades off and jumps, <laughs> jumps down. And then he blows up. Like yeah. I mean the way that they cut it, it's like the grenades blow up with him holding the grenades on yeah, top so of the other guy, I guess, on the ground or something. That's the thing. <laughs> it's, so it's that, alive though. Was that it's dream tough. sequence that so that tells me that dream sequence was horseshit. Like it wasn't even <laughs> something he lived through, right? Like <laughs> I don't care who you are. You're not going to survive grabbing two grenades and then going, ah, <laughs> jumping on top of people, dude, you're gone. <laughs> and, well, what happened was he forgot, he, he pulled the pins, but he, he forgot to, you know, throw the, he, he left the pins sitting up there and jumped down with the grenades instead of throwing the pins yeah. aside and then the grenades that, to the guy. That reminds me. Uh, so like he finally invades the, 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 the POW camp or, you know, the, the, yeah, the POW camp. And he goes in like swinging with C4 and machine guns, mm -hmm. all kinds of yeah. crazy. And that first explosion was like a nuclear bomb. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was huge and he does all this damage and kills all these motherfuckers. And there's nobody there. They'd already took all the guys out. Like, Oh yeah. They, uh, they took a busload of those guys three hours ago, but I love when there there's a chase. So like one of the Vietnamese prisoners tells him, Oh yeah, they took them three hours ago. They're, they went up the North highway or whatever. You got to go that way. So they get back in the boat and they easily catch up with them. Like this bus left three hours ago and they, they just go down the river, you know, a click. And then all of a sudden, Oh yeah, there they are. You know, <laughs> it takes them nothing to catch up with this, this van of uh, POWs. And uh, so then they get into a, a Jeep and they go to a spot. So yeah, he gets all, he, I think he has a fight. Like they have like a little chase thing where they're, going back and forth and he manages to get the POWs and all, all into a small Jeep. They go down to the river to get back to the boat where, you know, they have a boat waiting and he props a grenade up on the back seat. <laughs> he props a grenade up, like, you know, pulls the pin, but like pulls the little handle or whatever and props it up on the back seat. So then when they pull up and barely hit the back of the Jeep, boom, 
<laughs> I just love that it goes poof. Like, it's not even like, <laughs> dude, if a grenade goes off in the back of a Jeep, wouldn't you think, Smoke, that it would blow both Jeeps up? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you think? <laughs> but no, it doesn't. It just kind of goes poof. And all the guys, all the guys just bail out like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it said it went off like one of those bottle poppers at a New Year's party. Yeah. Hey, we're here. Um, so what, what'd you think of the ending? I mean, just the whole thing, like he, <laughs> he goes in, uh, rest oh, yeah. the POWs, uh, of course his friend Jack, uh, he gets killed, right? Yeah. They blew the boat up. So, uh, but luckily he'd had a backup where he hired this dude to bring come in with a helicopter and he comes in and flies them all away. You know, Chuck Braddock and, uh, all the POWs he manages them to fly them all away, but. He tells them to go to Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City, basically just to charge in right in the middle of a press conference where they're saying, like, there is no there's no denying now that we don't have any POW prisoners here. And then they, they, they barge in. Yeah, they barge in, freeze frame the end. <laughs> so what, what do you think of the ending there, Smoke? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's typical. It's canon. <laughs> it's a canon ending for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I see where they were going with it. It's just a big, you know, big fuck you to like the. Oh, we don't. Oh, you don't have any POWs, huh? Yeah, here they are yeah. <laughs> on like, televised, whatever things. So. so yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a humorous sort of situation or whatever, or you know, like just digging in the knife. Yeah, fuck you, you know. Yeah, yeah, it just drags them all in at the end, and oh, see, got, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> I guess that's pretty much where we'll, where we'll leave it. So Donnie, what's your uh, what's your cannonball rating for this one? Oh man, this is actually a pretty easy one. You know, I mean, this is ranks right up there with, uh, you know, Invasion USA. And uh, as far as like, you know, we have a sliding uh, cannon scale. It's not not the same as our as our star rating. It's, uh, you know, it's a little skewed. What was my I don't remember. Uh, what was my uh, rating for uh, Invasion USA? So I want to make sure I'm properly rating this. All right, uh, just for posterity, I'll, I'll tell everybody's for Invasion USA just so we get it out there since it is a Chuck Norris movie. Yeah. Uh, Donnie, you gave it three and three quarter stars. Will mm-hmm. gave, or I'm sorry, cannonballs. I, I keep doing this with the cannon ready. Yeah. Three and three quarter cannonballs. Will gave it three and a half cannonballs. Smoke, myself, and Austin gave it five cannonballs. Yeah, I'm, well, I'll, I'll be re rating that uh, when we do our, uh, <laughs> I will be. So, uh, yeah, just given that, fuck it, man, it's right there. I'm just going to give it five. I do like Invasion USA better. You know, this is this is right there, too, because it's just as, I don't want to call it ridiculous, but it's just as, you know. Action-packed. With little, yeah. You know, these 80s movies, you can laugh at them. Yeah. Yeah. You know what you're getting out of them, you know, and you know what to expect. And you're not disappointed in any of it. Nah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with five. All right, Smoke, what do you say? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, as, as you heard, my Invasion USA rating was five. And, and as I said before, kind of echoing Austin's uh, comments about Invasion USA being his favorite truck movie, and it's also my favorite truck movie. This one is not too far behind it. But like Donnie, though, I think I'm going to give this one a five cannonball rating as well. Like I said, Invasion USA edges it out if there was a such thing as a five and a half cannonballs or five and a quarter it would get it but I don't, i'm not going to undercut missing an action by ranking it down so i'm just gonna give it five as well and just say that even though both of them i give it five i still like invasion usa edges it out just a little bit yeah I'm, I'm gonna say the same thing i believe just stacking them beside each other which one would you rather watch i agree i'd probably rather watch invasion usa 
again right now before I would watch this again right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's right there. So, I, you know, you're splitting hairs. I'm going to go with five cannonballs. Uh, the, the cannon scale is a little different, you know, I, I think for all of us. So that being said, it's still like I might like one more than the other, but they're still the same score, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And it's for different reasons, too, you know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. And uh, like we said earlier, Austin didn't give us give us his rating there. He probably just forgotten all that information he was giving us. Um, but I'll make sure to get his cannonball rating. But based on what he said there, I, I, I'm pretty firm in saying he's probably going to say five cannonballs. Uh, so it will be a minute before we get back to another cannon fodder. But we will be having Austin on, I believe it's episode 126 on September 19th. We're going to have him on for that one, if I'm not mistaken, to talk about uh, his Canon film, film Guide Volume 2. So it's kind of cannon fodder, you know, when you're yeah. talking nothing but his canon book. So yeah, by extension, we'll, we'll count it. But yeah, so we'll get his word on it by then. If not, we'll save it for then. And of course, as always, we'll get Will's thoughts whenever he returns. I right, said, so now that we have all the ratings out of the way, we don't do a, a, you know, the kill count, obviously, and the gore score and everything for this, but we do have Canon Connections. Canon Connections. All right. So, uh, yeah, you alluded to this, uh, earlier and we've, we've discussed it to the moon and back, but no, uh, uh, some of the most obvious um, connections were to Invasion USA. Uh, it's got, you know, obviously Chuck Norris. Uh, you've got uh, Golan and Globus, um, the same uh, director, Joseph Zito, uh, writers, stuntman. I mean, you've got, I mean, is it, I'm sorry, you've got a lot of the stunt crew from uh, Missing in Action also on Invasion USA. And then also M. Emmett Walsh uh, relays back to Critters, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, I hate, I missed that episode. All right. So I guess that's, uh, that's pretty much it for uh, Missing in Action and, and this, this edition of Cannon Fodder. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. And uh, like I said before, hopefully we'll get Will on to get his thoughts and his cannonball rating and then we'll get Austin's and everything and that'll settle Missing in Action. But we'll, we'll tackle that again, either in Austin's interview or on the fourth anniversary special on Halloween. But uh, next up next week, it's my choice guys. Hmm. And in my turn of the rotation, I have to pick a new one. So our criteria is the year 2000 to present is new. Anything 99 backwards is old. We consider old. So I have to pick a newer one and I'm going extremely new. Hmm. This I'm okay. going, I'm going with something that just literally, literally released here in the month of August. We're gonna watch Prey. This is the, this is the uh, how would sequel prequel however you want to say it to the Predator series. Nice. Uh, It's available on Hulu, and I'll read the synopsis. The origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation three hundred years ago. There's a little bit more, but I'm not gonna read it. So like yeah, I'm I've only seen clips. I have not seen this yet. I've heard great things. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good reviews, a lot of a lot of positive things about it. So I'm really interested in checking it out, and I'm like, you know what? That I can recall right off the top of my head, we have not watched anything from the year from this year. We haven't watched anything like really new. Yeah, so, the only the only thing the most recent would would have been last um, Halloween Kills. That was that. Yeah, well, we did watch uh, Malignant too. That was you know fairly recent. Mm, yeah, was but that not, in January? Like, yeah, but that was like from twenty twenty. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, now this might change again going forward. I'm sure we'll probably have to squeeze Halloween ends in after it comes out. Mm-hmm. 
and of course the monsters when that comes out we'll squeeze those in but <laughs> much, much donnie's chagrin there <laughs> i'm sure we'll fit those in but yeah I've, I've heard a lot of good things about it i want to check this out so what better excuse than to uh to get it in here on the spook show so yeah that'll be next week pray from 2022 so i'm looking forward to it so we'll, yeah same we'll see, we'll see what it holds we'll see if it uh gets positive reviews from the spook show gang <clears throat> So, uh, but yeah, that's it. That's it for Cannon Fodder. That's it for the Spook Show this week. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, next week, everyone will enjoy Prey and we won't be praying that we'd watch something else and we'll find out. So yeah. uh, for Will, who couldn't be here, he's on assignment. Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Please replace the speaker on its rack when you're ready to leave. Failure to do so will damage both the speaker and your car. We'll be grateful, and so will the patrons who follow you.